Welcome to Real Life Mentoring, where we explore real life issues to help you make an authentic difference in the world. Hi, this is Chris and Christina. And today, wow, are we excited? We have our friend, Kimberly Lee, and she has a remarkable story to tell. However, let's introduce her and then you can introduce yourself. So we met Kimberly <laughs> and her husband, Brian. Oh, 19, 77 years ago. 1997. 1997. And they were just dating. I don't think you were engaged yet, were you? We were not engaged. You were not engaged. So <laughs> Young, fresh-faced kids. We were living in Oklahoma <laughs> and you guys were living in Tucson, Arizona, and God moved us to Tucson. And Brian and I were on staff together at this church and became instant friends. And uh, yeah. Well, and because of Brian, obviously we met Kimberly. And so just to paint pictures with words, friends, eh, sometimes you have friends that are friends and sometimes you have friends. It's like David and Jonathan, like the intent of God's heart is for you to know each other mm. and be involved in somebody else's life. And that's what happened with us. Well, let's clarify. You talk about David and Jonathan. They are mm -hmm. two, two men in the Bible, in the old Testament. Mm -hmm. Just so people know who are listening. Correct. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what we're saying is the same principle of what God did with those two men. He did with us as two couples and, all these years later, a reconnection a year and several months ago, a physical mm -hmm. connection, having not seen each other for 23 years. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, the Lord's just brought a sweetness now to children that weren't alive when we first met your three kids, mm -hmm. our, our three kids. It's, it's a sweet family. So we gave our perspective of the place you hold in our hearts and who you are. You introduce yourself, however you choose to. <laughs> <laughs> you said something that I have a remarkable story and I have a remarkable God. Mm. And I'm honored and blessed to be with you guys because what you're saying is true, that sometimes God gives us these treasures that are friends that turn into family of the heart. And mm -hmm. that is what I consider you guys as family of the heart. And although you were only in Tucson 18, 19 months, yeah. I feel like in that short time, he put something together in the spiritual realm where our families were always meant to do life together. No yeah. matter if we were on different continents, no matter if we were in different states, that we've never been far from each other because God is beyond distance. God is beyond time. And mm -hmm. so I'm honored to be here. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. We don't want to keep it surprise. Kimberly's story, there's tragedy involved, but what we want to do is not elevate the tragedy. We want to elevate the remarkable God in which she talked Amen. about. And so your story is remarkable because in your story, it's the fingerprints of God. I mean, he's written this beautiful story and there's hurtful things. But when I saw you a year in a couple of months ago, somebody asked you, so how are you doing? And you said, profound grief and profound blessing. I think that's the theme of your whole story. It's this profound grief, but Amen. profound blessing. 
So we want to just jump right into your story. We want to go ahead and tell the listener that Brian is now residing in heaven. (laughs) We can't wait to be with him, but we want to talk about the story. And so tell us when you first met Brian Lee, besides his Mm -hmm. awesome calves, (laughs) (laughs) his calves, yeah, yeah. How did you meet him? Tell us about the tinglies he gave you, the butterflies in your tent. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the story of your meeting? And let's go from there. Christina, you're right about holding the and. And I think it's, you know, it's holding the profound grief and the profound blessing. And so we're going to venture into the blessing. But there's so many others that we we hold the and. Mm. And so I think that's important to, to settle on for a second. But when we're talking about the blessing, Brian didn't give me tinglys when I first met him. Uh-huh. Uh, I actually thought, I'm not sure what this guy is about. And he's younger, <laughs> and I'm not sure if I like what he is about. So it was it was very, it was very fun to just see how again God knitted together two unlikely people to make a beautiful love story. Mm -hmm. And it was only by the grace of God. I did not necessarily grow up a Christian. I grew up around church. I had just graduated from college. I was 23 years old and I was a brand new Christian. We're talking maybe a couple of weeks. I had Mm -hmm. not even been baptized yet. And Brian grew up in the church. He always knew the calling on his life. He knew it at a young age. He knew he was going to be a pastor. And so you take these two people from opposite sides of the spectrum (laughs) and you kind of put them together. And this is bigger than opposites attract because that works out in, you know, Disney movies that works out in rom-coms that doesn't always work out in life. So what do you do when you have somebody that grew up in church and you have somebody who has just come from such brokenness and how does that, how does God knit that together? And I think that's, what's so profound about this blessing and this treasure of our love story is that by every means, by every other story, it should not have worked. It should not have worked. And for the first six months we were together, it, it, it was iron sharpened iron. I didn't understand where he was coming from. He didn't understand where I was coming from. It didn't make sense. I thought I cannot date. And I used to call him sunshine and not in a great way. It was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're like the sunshine of this church. Yeah. And church was such an unsafe place for me and many of us back in that time. And it's just still is, is that it just didn't fit. It seemed judgmental. It didn't seem authentic. And I'm this older woman from college. That's a brand new Christian that is challenging things that he has held dear for, you know, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so to see how God slowly broke down the walls that broke down the languages that we had come with, that broke down just the hurt, the trauma, and to see how he put us together for this, this 20 year old kid who should have probably not have been dating me. My paperwork was not good. My paperwork (laughs) as a parent, Brian's parents, I would have been alarmed. And so to, and, and he was too young. Like, what does a 20 year old kid know about love? But to see how God used this 20 year old kid to love this broken 
never had seen a healthy relationship, did not understand love, did not understand how to receive love, did not necessarily know how to give love, to, to see how God surpassed all of that, to that we were together 25 years before he passed away. And I can tell you that Brian Lee loved me absurdly. He loved me in a way that declared the glory of the king. He loved mm. me in a way that declared who he followed daily because I did not always make it easy on him. And <laughs> he could only do that by the way that God shaped him and molded him during that time. So early on in our relationship, we started making the choices that if God was, you know, it's so easy to say, God's got to be the center of your relationship. Right. God's actually got to be the center of your heart individually. So Brian was easy to love, but I did not know how to receive love. I had come from a pretty dysfunctional family, lots of alcohol, lots of abuse, abusive boyfriend relationship. So I didn't necessarily know how to receive love. And so it was more about being on a journey of who is this God? Who is this Jesus? What does he mean? And can I receive his love? And we really had to work on that individually before we were able to come together as husband and wife. That's kind of how it started. Mm. I'm just imagining if I'm listening to your story for the first time, like, wow, he seems too good to be true. I bet she's just elevating how sweet and how adoring he was toward her. And as bystanders, that is false. He really loved you absurdly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I, I think we have to give honor to God because when I met him at 20, he was raw. He was a little bit arrogant. He made jokes that were not always helpful to others. He was used to being the center of attention. Mm. He was used to everybody hanging on his every word. He was used to people kind of elevating him because it was Brian Lee and it was, you know, it was all about him and his best friend in this big college group we were a part of. And so he did not start out that way. He wasn't a great communicator. He didn't clean his room. Like there's a list of, you know, extraneous things. But when it came down to it, he made the choice to say, God, I asked you for a spouse that I want to run towards Jesus. And I look to the right and I look to the left and I want to see who's running just as fast as me towards you. And Kimberly is, because although I was a brand new Christian, I was on fire for Jesus. Mm. And that has never stopped. And that has never wavered. So he had to trust that I was running as fast towards Jesus, if not faster sometimes Mm -hmm. as new Christians do. And he had to make that choice. Am I going to stay this 20 year old child that's all about him and he could do no wrong in the church? Or is he going to submit to God and let God be the center of his heart and grow him in a way to be able to love somebody like me at that point, mm-hmm. because I challenged everything that he said, especially when it had to come with, with God, because the language didn't make sense to me that just fit the church. 
So he had to make the choice. I think God anointed him to be a special way, but he had to make the choice to submit to God in order to learn how to love in the way that Brian ended up loving. Jeremy, do you think, because the difference, how you grew up and how Brian grew up, do you think you were able to teach him how to connect with the real world better? Chris, that's actually a great question that we answered early on. So my testimony is obviously dramatic. You know, again, like I said, alcohol, abuse, abandonment, betrayal, physical abuse, just really dysfunctional, never had seen a healthy marriage, never had seen healthy love, didn't even know what healthy love meant. Brian grew up in a Christian home, although not without their own issues. And so I would always say like, oh, God, like, how are you going to put together this choir boy and this broken girl? Like, how does that work? Mm -hmm. And at that time, God showed me in order for Brian to be the person he needs to be, the pastor that he needs to be, I don't want him to have to walk through the rebellion and the pain. I want him to love somebody that did. Gosh, oh, that's gosh, good. That's good. And in order for you to be who I'm creating you to be, I'm giving you somebody who is steadfast in me, who has a huge heart and is willing to learn something different from what he grew up in. Mm. And that is what God did. Brian was an amazing pastor because he was an amazing friend. He never, ever, and tell me this is not the imprint of the Holy Spirit on Brian's life. He never in 25 years used my past against me. Not ever. Wow. Mm -hmm. Say that again, please. That is, he never used my past against me in an mm -hmm. argument, in tough times, in times where things didn't make sense. He didn't bring up my past. To, to remind me or put me in my place. Not ever, mm -hmm. because I don't know if we could have had the love story we did. Yeah, That is the grace of God. That is the imprint of God, because that is an unusual thing. Every once in a while, I'd bring up like, hey, doesn't this bother you? And he's like, I'm working through it with God. And this is how he's doing that with me. He gave us both what we needed in the spiritual realm that might not have made sense to the outside physical world mm -hmm. so that we could become together the people that God created us to be. So that is a pretty profound is that Brian did not have to go through the rebellion or pain of my life, but he loved me and saw me walk through it. And this showed him a glimpse of the way that God works in the brokenness. And it gave him a hope of the way that God works in the brokenness and how he redeems so much and everything, which helped Brian be the pastor that he needed to be. And of course, Brian was part of my anchor, part of my rock, because he was, he loved me so steadfast and so sure. There was not a night in 25 years that I went to bed that I did not feel loved. Even if we were in an argument, even if I was upset, one, he never slept on the couch ever. And two, no matter how angry we might've been with each other, and it was usually more me than him. He always <laughs> would physically touch me in some way before we went to bed. Even mm. if I was like, don't you be touching me. It would be, <laughs> a it would be a toe 
mm. a slight finger, mm. a hand, something to let me know I am here. I am not going anywhere. Mm. And I love you. That doesn't come from, that doesn't come from a person that comes from a God. It comes from our God that he was able to do that even in the midst of hurt feelings. And so Brian kept short accounts. He taught me that. I did not understand that. I thought, you know, you, you do me wrong. We, we're going to, I might hold this against you for a lifetime. And Brian taught me so much of, of forgiveness and because of the way that he kept short accounts with me. Well, what I love is you're too strong, leader, confident, determined people who follow God. And yet it wasn't a competition. He freed you to be you. You supported him without being like the little woman home. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. to see these two strong, independent leaders submitting to God. And it was easy to submit to one another. I I say easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, we mm. saw benefit, the benefit of that. Right. But I just think that's, yeah, when you do things Let's God's way. Let's talk about the when... wrestling with that, though. Let's talk about the wrestling mm. with that. So you've got these yeah. two people coming together. And even the word submit in my family was weakness. Yeah. So I'm a brand new Christian. I'm sitting in church and I'm learning this submit, submit, submit. And it goes against everything in me you know I was in the military submission (laughs) means there's one that's higher than the other and I was like you know I was raised that you never depend on a man you be all you can be you make the money you make your own money so that if he leaves you can do what you need to do and so that's where I'm coming from so the word submit even was you know and then you have these personalities coming together and there was a wrestle there was, that's what I said in the first six months, it was iron sharpens iron to understand not the worldview, not even the church view, but yeah. what is God's view of those words? And when I was able, so I want to kind of go back a little bit. The first time that I knew I loved Brian was not this profound, you know, again, Disney moment of roses. And it was the first time that I could say I was sorry. He talked about marriage within six months of us dating. And I said, if you do that again, I will break up with you. Because again, (laughs) I had no idea what was going on. I didn't even know if I should be dating this younger man. And we were sitting in KFC. Don't judge me for what we ate. (laughs) And I looked across from him and I made a dig at his education because I was getting my master's degree and he had not finished college. And I was pretty quick hung for sure. And I made a comment to him that was joking. And Uh I saw his spirit. I saw his eyes. Mm -hmm. And I knew right then, oh, that really dug at him. And I was grieved for the first time. I was truly grieved in the spirit that I had hurt his heart. And in my family, I grew up, you don't apologize. Apology meant weakness. Apology meant ammunition for somebody to use something against you. Mm. You don't apologize. You just gloss over and move on. Gloss over and move on. They'll have to deal with it. And I remember sitting across from him at the KFC and I saw him. He didn't say anything back. He didn't dig back at me. He just looked at me. He didn't cry. He didn't do anything that I could just see his eyes. I could see his heart. 
And I went, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm so sorry. And I just sat there after wrestling and to get those words out were even painful. And he looked at me, he goes, I know you are. That hurt, but I forgive you. And I looked wow. at him and <laughs> I freaked out because I was like in my head, in my heart, I go, oh no, I, I love him. Wow. I, I love him. And he'd been saying, I love you for a long time. And I was just like, oh no, I, I love him. I, I, uh, and I was so scared and so vulnerable that that, that apology unleashed that, that I said I had to go and I ran out the KFC and I went home. I just walked away. <laughs> so I left him at the KFC. So that was the beginning of just me being open and vulnerable and God using to see his heart to just, you know, he did follow me home and was all, what was that about? And I couldn't even tell him I loved wow. him because if I said, I love you, he could hurt me in a way that I just couldn't do. Wow. And so to understand how God can use even an asking for forgiveness to unleash things in the heavenlies, to be able to see things differently was pretty profound, but not a pretty story. I mean, who gets left at a KFC after, you know, it just seemed so ridiculous at the time. Uh, he, there are so many times he should have said, whoa, I, I got to bow out of this. This is just too wackadoodle for me. But he just kept listening to God. He just kept listening to God. And, and so I thought, that's when I first knew what love looked like. Love was mm. a choice to push through the awkward and the uncomfortable, to push through the, the vulnerability of knowing that another person has the power to hurt you, but to push through and see each other's spirit, to see each other's heart, and to trust that God is working in both of you, or at least you, to mm -hmm. say, this is worth the cost. Love is worth the cost especially yeah. when it's knitted together by the spirit. So there were so many choices that Brian and I made along the way to trust God and to trust each other, even if it didn't make sense or we were upset with each other and to constantly let the Holy Spirit to submit to the Holy Spirit and his work in our life. Yeah. I like where you guys talk about making choices in relationship, but talk about some of the choices that you guys made together as a ministry team. You mm -hmm. maybe talk about when you first met, he's on staff and then the journey, the Lord took you right up to his death of choices you guys made ministry wise. I, I just think those are right. good to talk about too. So he was on staff as a youth director at a church that he'd grown up in where I had become a Christian in, I got baptized in, we got married in, I'm six months pregnant with our first child. And we had been going through some stuff in with the church and ministry, but it had been a couple of years and got Brian comes to me and says, Hey, Kimberly, I think it's time to go. I think God is asking us to walk out in faith. And I said, Hey, I'm six months pregnant with your child. This is not good timing. This is where I want to raise our children. This is where I see us growing. Like we have a youth group of over a hundred kids. This is not good. And he said, 
uh, will you just pray about it? He was willing to wait for my spirit to be ready. Mm. And so as I prayed about it, God said, Kimberly, you didn't grow up in trust. You didn't understand trust, but do you trust me and Brian enough to trust what I'm saying to him? And I said, Lord, this doesn't make sense. And he said, I know, but I need you to trust your husband. So I went to Brian and I said, hey, I will follow you wherever you go. No mm. matter, I don't understand it. I'm scared. I'm six months pregnant. But, and if you knew me again, to submit in this way was really a God thing. I will follow you wherever, even if it ends up, if we lose everything and we end up in a cardboard box. Mm. And so I knew at that time I was declaring that we were in this together, mm. even if it went against everything that made sense. A few years. So we went out from there, left everything that we knew and started a, a nonprofit called the Refuge Center and was basically missionaries in town to raise our own support, which comes mm -hmm. with its own faith building stuff. Sure. And I was, had just had our second child and I was the sole provider as far as consistent support as a teacher. I was a, a teacher at the time. And I came home and I said, Brian, I don't think I'm supposed to go back to work <laughs> as a teacher. Mm. And again, against everything that made sense, sure. I carried the insurance. We now have two kids. It was the stable income. And he, Brian didn't even bat an eye. He looked at me and he said, I trust the spirit in you. I don't know what that looks like, but I believe it's true. And so this is what we're going to do. I even wanted him to push back a little bit. I was like, no, okay. <laughs> and he didn't. Yeah. And what we didn't know is that four months later, I would become pregnant with my, our third child. And oh, gosh. it was, so even the way that that all, that all panned out. And so we ended up being him going on a staff at a big church in town. He became pastor there. And now I do want to add a caveat. We live in Tucson, Arizona. It is the desert. Yeah. And as the years went on, I changed my thing. And I said, Brian, I will follow you wherever you go. Even if it, we end up in a cardboard box with air conditioning. I did have to add with air conditioning. I thought as the older I got, I really right. needed to have some air conditioning. So we're now, he's now a pastor at this big church. It's beautiful. It's the size of a, a community college, which here in Tucson is, is rare. And it has a fountain and we get fed every Sunday and everything is in place. Got an amazing kids program. And he says, Kimberly, it's time for us to go. And oh. I just said, oh no, bye, Brian. I can't go. I love the fountain. I love the people. I can't. This is what we have three kids under, I think, 12. I just, I can't, I can't do this. And he said, Do you trust me? And I did. And so then we launched out of the safe church that we'd grown to love to launch our own church from them uh, mm -hmm. in the middle of Tucson, which in Tucson 
all the successful or big churches are on the outskirts. When you go to the middle is when the darkness overtakes and overwhelms. So instead of everything being done for you and having an amazing maintenance crew and an amazing, beautiful setting, we're now meeting in a high school, one of the oldest towns. The bathrooms are scary. You know, I've got these three kids and we're having to do it all ourselves. And basically it seems start over from scratch. And, but I knew together we were unstoppable because Mm. God knitted us together. And when you're in that kind of unity with God and with him, but again, along the way, choices had to be made. One of them was I I grew up with a, a critical spirit. My, my mom had a critical spirit. My sister had critical spirit. So that was a theme that the enemy used in our family. So when Brian would come home from work and I had three kids under three and a half and life was crazy and diapers and it was just overwhelming and he didn't take out the trash the night before something had gone, you know, I would have a list by the time he got home of mm. all the things I was ready to take care of business about. <laughs> <laughs> and you know especially if he was five minutes late because when you have three kids under three right. five minutes is eternity exactly. it's like dog use. it's during the witching hour of three to five <laughs> where everything can fall to pieces and he was coming home and I mean I was raring to go and mm. I had a list and I'm sitting on the couch going over my list and God says to me Kimberly do you want him to want to come home to you wow of course, I'm, I'm amazing. I'm John. I'm a really good kisser. He's going to want to come home. I said, not if you keep doing this. Are you willing to submit your mouth to me? Oh, gosh. What? what? When he comes home, if he's met with your list of demands or critiques, he's going to stop wanting to come home. So of course I argue with God, but these are true. Like, come on, da, 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 da. Like this, this needs to be done and this needs to be done. And he didn't do this. And he goes, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be married? Wow. Oh, but just give this to me. And so I had, so this was my prayer out of that. Lord, help me to see Brian the way you see him. Mm. Remind me of why I fell in love with him. Remind me continually of all the ways he has served me and these kids. Let that be on the forefront on my mind first before my critical stuff, even if it's true. Mm-hmm. And the God honored that. And so I remember even my sister one time asking me, do you think you see Brian with rose colored glasses? And I went, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I do. And she's like, (laughs) doesn't that feel like a bad thing? And I was like, oh, no, I prayed for them and God gave them to me. I have God rose colored glasses on so Mm. that when I see my husband and he's got one of his biggest things, he has 10 pairs of shoes and they're (laughs) always everywhere. They were everywhere. And I remember when I picked up those shoes and I was like, I don't want to pick up these shoes. I got to pick up boys and diapers and I don't want to pick up. He's a grown man. And God's like, you remember when you had your daughter, Lakeland? 
and you and her were so broken. That's a story from another time. Yeah. You were so broken and he how tenderly he cared for the both of you. Do you remember that? Do you remember how he had to bathe you and Lakin? Do you remember how he never complained and he got up for every feeding and every diaper change? Do you remember that, Brian? Yeah, I do. Do you remember that, Brian, that chased you after you ran out of KFC and didn't <laughs> let you get away with that because he loved you and he wanted to know where your heart was? Do you remember that, Brian? Oh, yes, I do. Mm -hmm. And so I just received the gift that God wanted to give me. And I did see my husband with rogue colored glasses, but it was a choice that I had to make daily sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I, again, rose colored glasses seems like it's a bad thing. I can, yeah. I say that they're God colored glasses. Mm, I love that. Oof, mm -hmm. I love that. There's a phrase, you said it earlier, that did you create or did Brian create this or did you or your daughter love absurdly? So after we lost Brian, we lost Brian in July of 2020. He was 45 years old. He had an accident at our house and he unexpectedly died at our house. And we had to do a celebration service of his life. And the night before this celebration of his life, the kids and I were sitting in our living room and it's two o'clock in the morning because sleep was pretty elusive for us at that time. At this time, all three, all four of us were sleeping in the, the living room together because to be alone was too hard. And mm -hmm. The kids are saying, you know, what are we going to say tomorrow? And what do you want me to say? So for some reason, we never questioned that we were all supposed to talk. I don't know. It just wasn't a question. And I looked up at them and said, you've got one last shot to tell the world what you want them to know about your father. Just pray about it. And whatever you want the world to know, that's what you share. And then they're like, okay. So the next day on the day of the celebration, I'm supposed to speak and I have nothing written and it's three o'clock and the celebration's at five. Somebody's coming over to do my hair because I, I couldn't even do that at this yeah. point. I was so devastated. I, I was like, I can't even explain. And I said, Holy Spirit, help me write the words you want me to write? How do you encompass Brian's life and his, his character and who he is? And so I just wrote whatever God told me to write. And the theme, I didn't know this was going to get picked up on, but the theme was Brian Lee loved absurdly. He hmm. loved our kids absurdly. He loved me absurdly. He loved the church absurdly he loved this city absurdly and I had numerous numerous examples of that where I just could go on and on about how this man loved because uh, he was connected to the source of love yeah. and so that's where that came from and again 
I didn't even realize that was the words that people that were going to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. I truly right. believe we don't get to choose the words. Yeah. And that those are the words that kept being spoken back to the kids and I. And so it does describe Brian Lee. Mm. It does describe our life. But more importantly, it describes the source, which is the yeah. cross. And more yeah. importantly, it talks about what kind of Jesus mm. Brian followed because mm. he couldn't love at the capacity he did without being connected to the love of the cross. Right. Mm. Well, that, that goes hand in hand with earlier. You said he was a, an amazing friend and I believe an amazing friend knows how to love absurdly. So yeah. I don't know that we said this early on, but you're, you're talking about your love story with your husband mm -hmm. today, a good portion of it. So Christina, what else do you want to, well, and where do you want to take it from here? Yeah, I think we're going to pause here. I think that this is a really good place to pause because mm -hmm. I just felt it was important. We camp out to paint the picture of you of Brian, but because that picture reflects, like you said, it reflects the one who you guys chose to follow from the beginning. And we've already alluded to what happened to Brian, but I think the next podcast we'll do, we'll follow up on that story because that again, as tragic as it is, just like we've heard you today, it points back to this God who loves mm. us so absurdly, mm. even in the midst of tragedy and the unthinkable mm. and the unspeakable. And so we're going to, we're going to pause here today and then we'll pick up with the next session talking about part two <laughs> but Kimberly we of course we love you but I think listeners if you are tuning in and you're listening and you need some how-to practical tips for marriage I think this is chock full if you mm. are listening and you're single Amen. and you want to know how to trust God with your heart she's given you practical tools I mean there's just it's so chock full of lessons for anybody who's listening but we thank you for your transparency because we know your motivation is God, whatever you just use it. You mm -hmm. use it for your glory. And you so, use it. Mm -hmm. yeah, anyway, we're so I grateful. love bragging. Thank you. I love bragging about my Jesus and I love bragging about my husband. Yeah. Well, that comes across and we, we love to hear about both. <laughs> so we just want to thank you listener. My goodness gracious. This is something you probably want to bookmark and listen to it time and time again. And so thanks for tuning in and listen to part two. That'll be coming your way soon. We want to thank you as always for listening. If today was helpful, if something that you listened to was helpful, we would really love it if you would go to Apple or Spotify, leave us a review, download, subscribe, and for all things related to podcast, if you'd like to give a financial contribution to help us continuing bringing this sort of broadcasting to you, just go to FahrenheitMentoring.org. Hi, this is Chris Corral, producer of the Fahrenheit Real Life Mentoring Podcast. This podcast is produced through a partnership with the Confetti Corral Boutique and Michelle Corral Realtor. To find out more about these businesses who support our vision and ministry, go to confetticorral.com or find them on Facebook.